Welcome to High Cheese. It's Friday, December 2nd, 2022. And I want to start off with our despicable First Lady, Jill Biden. And I was just reading a report, and this, this is a terrible report, and they put up the uh, uh, stockings in the White House, and they had stockings of all of the Biden grandchildren, except for one. It was one of Hunter Biden's children that, that was born out of wedlock. And they chose not to include that child in the stocking list. So how is that kid supposed to feel when he's grow, grow, she grows up? I think her name was uh, Navy. And I think, um, I, I think the history on this is that there was, you know, he, the, apparently she was a go-go dancer. She had met uh, Hunter Biden and uh, they hooked up and they had a kid. And Hunter denied it, denied it, and she sued and uh, she won a court case. But I guess the, Jill Biden's choosing to ignore her granddaughter or step-granddaughter. And, and it's a shameful act. It's just typical of this uh, family. And where is she coming from? She married a guy that showers with his daughter, that uses his crack-addicted son as a bag man, sets up his son, his crack-addicted son, in positions of influence peddling, talks about kids running their fingers up his legs, his wet legs, creepy stuff like that. Oh, and before I forget, Hunter Biden had an affair with his dead brother's wife. And Jill's not going to put a stocking, some poor kid, some poor child that just happens to be born out of wedlock? Go figure that one. It's just a disgraceful act by the first lady, Jill Biden. So maybe I hope she reconsiders in future years. But think about it. You're this kid. Your grandfather's the uh, president of the United States, and they deny you. The president and the first lady denies you. How, how is that kid supposed to feel growing up? But they don't care. The, the, these are swamp creatures. They don't care. There's no sense of humanity. It's only what they can get. So apparently they can't get anything out of an out-of-wedlock granddaughter. So they're going to ignore the kid. And again, I just think it's despicable. But this is what we have in the White House. So we've got an uber dysfunctional family here. And they've got a nerve not to put a poor kid's stocking up because the kid's born out of wedlock. It's absolutely crazy. All right, let's switch to China and Apple uh, with the despicable act of Apple turning off an iPhone feature for the Chinese people in the middle of an uprising. Now, I'm not sure if a lot of listeners know that there is a, an uprising, protests going on in China right now. They're fed up with the lockdowns and these forced lockdowns. And, you know, some horrible things have happened. People have been welded into their apartment buildings. And there were fires that, uh, that started and people burned to death because they couldn't get out of the buildings because they were literally locked into their buildings. And again, this has to do with the COVID. Apparently, there's some still some COVID over there, and, and China is just clamping down super hard on this. And the people are fed up. They're protesting now. And I just want to point out that Apple, our great American company, Apple, has scaled back a function in China that would have helped the protesters. Now, apparently, there's this feature. It's called airdrop 
And what it allows to do, uh, you to do, if you have an iPhone, an Apple iPhone, you can communicate with other iPhone owners on a mass scale without going through the internet. And this is quite helpful to the protesters in China because the Chinese government monitors the internet over there. And so this would allow some of the protesters to circumvent the internet and communicate directly with each other. But Apple cut back on that feature about a week before the protest became apparent. So we've got Apple aiding and abetting communist China. Is that what we want from our American companies? Is that what capitalism is all about? I don't think so. I don't think when you had Adam Smith and Milton Friedman pontificating about free and open markets, they had aiding and abetting communist China as part of their equation. But not with Apple. Not with Nike. As long as we can make some money, slave labor in China is fine. You want to clamp down on freedom protesters in China? That's fine. Here, let us help you. As a matter of fact, where's the NBA on this? Where's the NBA? They cracked down on Kyrie Irving about his anti-Semitic remarks, which they should have. But why are they silent about concentration camps in China? Where's the balance, NBA? Oh, there, there, there are concentration camps, so that's okay. And I'm telling you, Adam Smith, Milton Friedman, they're rolling over in their graves right now. This is not free markets. And I know that we're supposedly starting to scale back microchips back to this country, but we've got to do it with everything else. We have to limit every exposure we have to China. So we shall see. Okay, I want to talk a couple of minutes about Kanye West. And he's such a distraction. And the only reason I want to talk about him, because he touches upon Trump. But, you know, this is a, one of the big entertainers in the country today, and he's really in the middle of a psychological meltdown. And I feel quite sorry for him. Like yesterday, he was on InfoWars with Alex Jones, and he's talking about how much he liked Hitler and how much he liked the Nazis. And, uh, you know, I don't know if, if it is a meltdown or if he's just trying to make a point in some uh, ham-handed way, but it's just not working. He's just embarrassing himself. But I do think he needs help. And, you know, hey, look, he's, he, he's been just spewing distasteful and hateful things. He was supporting Balenciaga, the fashion company that was... Uh, pushing pedophilia through their advertising, uh, supporting Nazis and Hitler. He was wearing some kind of mask when he was on Alex Jones. He, he looked like, you know what he looked like? Um, Lucha Libre. Remember the, the Mexican wrestlers that used to wear masks? Mills Mascaris. He was the big guy when I was a kid. And that's what Kanye looked like. He looked like a, a Lucha Libre wrestler without, you know, the uh, fancy dancy, uh, you know, drawings on the mask. It was just a black mask or a black net over his head. But look, get yourself help. You know, I think he's a bright guy. Uh, I, I I think he just needs help. Now, the reason I said I was talking about this is that it did touch upon Trump because he had invited himself to Mar-a-Lago and Trump said, yeah, fine. You know, come on in. And here's the thing. You know, you're knocking Trump. The left wing is knocking Trump on this, but right now he was the only one that's trying to help Kanye. He was going to try to help 
Kanye or give him some advice through this uh, breakdown that he's having. And what happened is uh, Kanye kind of stabbed Trump in the back. So he, I guess Kanye said he wanted to um, bring a guest or two. And I guess, you know, Trump's administration said, okay, come on. It's, it's okay. No problem. And Kanye bought a neo-Nazi, I guess a white supremacist for lack of a better word. I don't know how you can be a white supremacist and be friends with uh, Kanye West, but the, it, 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 you know, go figure. But apparently this is a neo-Nazi, white supremacist, uh, Holocaust denier. And everybody's up in arms because, oh, Trump, Trump bought in a neo-Nazi, white supremacist. He had, he broke bread with him. And Trump didn't know this guy. But I do blame uh, Kanye for this. I think Kanye did it on purpose to try to embarrass Trump. And remember Donald Trump, no good deed goes unpunished in the words of Rudy Giuliani. You tried to help Kanye and he stuck it in your face. Remember that. But other than that, I have nothing to say about Kanye. I, 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 I don't know any of his songs. I, don't, I couldn't tell you what his fashion looks like. You know, so take it as on that. I just get help. You need some help. You know, I think you're trying, but you need help. So Kanye, we shall see. All right, let's take a trip up north to Canada, which used to be one of the great countries of this world, but has it been chopped down several notches ever since Trudeau took over. And the one thing I want to talk about in 2016, Canada passed a law, the Medical Assistance in Dying Act. They call it MADE. I call it MAD. And again, what this allows people to do is um, people with that are terminally ill were allowed to commit suicide. And they were given assistance from some professionals on how to kill themselves. That was the initial law. And now we've just expanded into new areas. We've had murder expanded under Trudeau. So how this murder is expanded now is that now they are going to allow people with psychological problems, depression, to kill themselves. And not only are they going to be allowed to kill themselves, but doctors and nurse practitioners are going to be allowed to kill them. Just like putting your dog to sleep, they're going to do this to humans. A nurse practitioner, imagine that. Imagine being a nurse practitioner. Part of your job is to kill people. Well, you can do it in Canada. And people up in arms. You know, a lot of the religious group, rabbis, pastors, priests, they're up in arms. And they make a very good point. Only God has the ability to do this. Not a human. If a person is feeling sad about himself, if he's depressed, only God can take his life. Not a nurse practitioner. Not a doctor. Not the government, but God. And that's what the religious groups are pushing back. Not only that, is uh, psychiatrists and psychologists are pushing back too. They're saying, well, hold on here. We got to evaluate this a little more before we start killing people because they asked to. And let me just give you a couple statistics on how many people were murdered by the government in Canada. Let's see what we got here. Okay, in 2017, 2,838 people were euthanized. In 2018, 4,478 people. 2019, 5,425 people. 
2020, 7,383 people were euthanized. There's no statistics yet uh, that I see on 2021 or 2022. I'm sure it's higher. Now, I just want to put this into perspective. The United States is about 10 times larger than Canada, population-wise. So if you wanted to convert this into terms, what it would be like in the United States, just stay at a zero to all of these numbers. So for example, if there were 7,000 people that were euthanized in Canada, it would be the equivalent of 70,000 euthanizations in the United States. And many experts are saying that it will go higher once you allow nurse practitioners to kill people and doctors to kill people. Now, what ever happened to do no harm with doctors? They should be on the front lines here. But again, we've got the politicization of the medical industry, not only in the United States, but in Canada. And we can thank people like Trudeau for this. Boy, I can't wait till this guy leaves office. So Joe Biden really stuck it to the railroad workers this week. Now, these railroad workers were in negotiations for a new contract with um, these railroad companies. And they came to an impasse and they were scheduled to go on strike, I think, next week. I forgot what day. I think maybe next Monday. But because of these arcane labor laws from the 1920s, 1930s, they're, they're... Railroad workers aren't allowed to strike, and the Congress can force them to accept the contract. And because of the Biden administration's inability to negotiate a contract, they just threw everything on Congress's desk. And that's Joe Biden, Mr. Union guy, Mr. Working Class guy. He really stuck it to the railroad workers. The railroad workers were asking for, and this is, I really find this surprising, the railroad workers have no Sick days. They get no sick days, which is shocking. Most Americans get sick days. Most employed Americans get sick days. I know in some states, part-time people, I know in New Jersey, as a matter of fact, part-time workers are required to accumulate sick days. They must accumulate sick days. But not railroad workers. And I guess one of the major impasses was... They want some paid sick days. And you would think in the world of COVID that you would want people to stay home if they were sick. And what happens if they don't have sick days, if you don't give employees sick days, they come to work sick. They're not feeling good. They're not feeling well. They got to feed the kids. Well, they're going to go to work because if they don't go to work, they get docked. And good old Joe Biden, no sick days. I'm not going to go to bat for you guys. I'm going to punt and let Congress handle it. So Congress came in and passed a resolution in the House that said that they have to adhere to this contract. And it was passed to the Senate. They passed their version of the bill. Said, yep, the railroad workers, they have to accept this contract. No sick days. Now, I know in the House, the House had passed uh, an amendment that said, yes, let's give them seven sick days. And that failed in the Senate. From what I hear there, you know, Marco Rubio and Josh Hawley were just two of a small number of Republican senators that really went to bat for these working people. And I think a lot of the Republican senators dropped the ball on this. But I think early on, Rubio had the uh, 
the best perspective on this thing. He goes, look, kick this back. Let them make a decision on this. This isn't the Senate. This isn't uh, the House's responsibility. It's the responsibility of the people negotiating to come up with a good contract. Don't kick it to Congress to make these decisions. And I don't know if it was Rubio or another senator, but they wanted to add an extension. Let's, hey, give him another 60 days, another 90 days to negotiate this contract. Let's not be heavy-handed here. So now the uh, railroad workers are forced to go back to work under a contract that they wouldn't accept. Now, here's what you're going to hear from some of these uh, naysayers. They're going to say, well, you know, there were 12 unions, and eight of the 12 unions supported the contract that went to Congress. Well, what they don't tell you is that the four unions that wouldn't accept the contract they represent a majority of the workers. I think there's 115,000 workers that are represented by these 12 unions. And those are the four that balked on this contract. They wanted sick days. So I think that good old Joe Biden, he's not a friend of the working guy. A lot of the Republicans in the Senate, they're not friendly to the working guy. Now, on the upside, you know, I think they negotiated a 24% pay raise over a four or five-year period. And I think even if you look at inflation, it's just, you know, keeping par with inflation. And then Joe Biden today, I guess he signed the legislation that forced or, or to accept the contract. And he's saying, oh, I'm going to make sure that they get their sick days. Well, Joe, why didn't you do it before? You're all talk. So remember that. I, I guess there were a couple of union representatives that said, hey, look, we're going to remember this. We're going to remember who our friends are, who our friends aren't. And again, this is the evolution of the Republican Party. The evolution of the Republican Party is that there are working people that are now being bought into the fold of the Republican Party. And there's, again, as I said, there's a civil war in the Republican Party. It's between these working people that are being folded into the Republican Party versus the rhinos. And a lot of these rhinos are the people that look down at MAGA that do not want railroad workers to get sick days. Now, again, how do you figure that in today's society that you don't want to give your employees sick days? That's just counterintuitive. Now, from what I hear is that they've got this convoluted scheduling system with these railroads that it's so streamlined that they can't afford for one employee to be out sick. Quite frankly, that, that's a screwed up system. When you, when you set a system up, a scheduling system that collapses if several employees don't show up, that's a problem. So again, look, I've been on the management side of negotiating tables with union contracts, and I always find my I always find that a lot of the problems that are created for these union workers are the result of bad management. And is this screwed up scheduling system that is being run by the railroad systems is that bad management so again we shall see but you know again any union workers that are listening joe biden is not your friend joe biden is not your friend so we shall see all right let's give a little time to elon musk and as most of you know elon musk purchased uh, twitter you know, three four weeks ago and one of the things he's doing and he came out with and i'm really happy to hear this is he's going to release all the internal memos that have to do with Twitter's suppression of the Hunter Biden laptop information, the suppression of 
the New York Post and its related articles to the Hunter Biden laptop. So this is really, really, really good. And I'm really, really, I can't wait to hear it, see this and read it because this exposes Twitter. It exposes the left as being, as suppressing the truth. And is there really much difference between what Twitter did and what Apple and the Chinese communists are doing to the protesters with li- limiting their ability to communicate on iPhones? So I'm really happy to see this. And, and of course, the left is having a meltdown. I saw a clip on TV. It was on MSNBC. One of these talking heads were saying, oh, my God, Twitter is now a threat to the state. It's a threat to our national security. Well, what changed? The only thing that changed is Elon Musk owns it now. Elon Musk is exposing the left, is exposing the deep state as the ones that are the threat to society. So, of course, in natural democratic fashion, they're going to project. They're going to accuse the Republican. They're going to accuse Elon Musk of doing what they've been doing. So I'm really, really looking forward to this. Now, while we're on the subject of Elon Musk, and I've always said, look, I'm kind of up in the air about Elon Musk. There's some really good things that he does. I, I, I love his hard work. I love what he's, uh, he's doing at Twitter. And, but there's other things that you got to be really careful with him about. One of these things is that it, it's a company that owns. It's, he's, it's called Neuralink. Neuralink. And what they are doing and what they plan on doing is uh, implanting chips into people's brains. He's selling it for, uh, as a way to help people that can't see, people that have problems walking, people that had spinal column problems. And that's not a bad thing. We all know that people have ha- already had cochlear implants. I think Rush Limbaugh had a co- cochlear implant. So, you know, we're, we're already been doing similar things, but the thing you have to be careful with Musk, if they take this a step further, he's always talked about this, uh, it's called synchronicity. And what synchronicity is, is the merger of man with machine. And the question I have for Elon Musk is how far is he going to take this? And what I mean, how far is he going to take this? He's already talked about, and people have already talked about putting chips in humans' brains and connecting them directly with the internet or other sources of information. So now they have complete access to everything that's been put on the internet, everything that's been put on their computer. And now who controls who? And that's the thing that worries me. And I keep my eye on Musk on this end of it. And I think we all should because you don't want to use, lose your humanity. Uh, again, Musk is a bright guy. He does some good things. But I'm not sure the end game on this Neuralink is going to be good for society and good for humanity. Now, he could prove me wrong. But I think with technology today, we've got to realize just because we can do something doesn't mean we should do it. Now, the other thing I also heard is that there's been complaints about he's been doing some experiments on monkeys. He's been doing implanting chips in monkeys, and it's caused some death in some of these monkeys. It's caused a lot of um, terrible things to happen to some of these monkeys. It's been reported. I don't know if that's true, but you got to assume if they're acknowledging that they're implanting chips in monkeys' brains that they're not going to all go well. So again, as I've said, keep your eye on Elon. He does some good things, but he's got the potential to do some bad things. And 
I'm not saying he's an evil person, but just remember the road to hell is paved with good intention. So just remember that. Okay, I'm so excited. My wife just came in. She broke in and she told me that uh, Musk has dropped the Twitter information. And it's clear from what I gather right now that Twitter interfered with the 2020 election. There's so much coming out. We'll talk about this next week. But if you get a chance, just check out all this information that was dumped. As I'm talking, it's still coming out right now. But it's clear that Twitter interfered with the 2020 election. Just one example is that there was a um, someone posted a, a picture of uh, Hunter Biden prior to the election uh, weighing drugs on a scale. And that picture was taken down at the request of, I think it was either the DNC or somebody from Joe Biden's circle. And there's so much more that's coming out. And they're talking about the Hunter Biden laptop, and so many other things, too. And I'll get into so much more about this, but it's clear the collusion that's that has gone on. And remember, there was a poll that came in. I think it was 16% of people that said they would have changed their mind if they knew about the Hunter Biden laptop prior to the 2020 election. So again, th- th- these are bombshells. This is going to be all over the news. Follow it. It's so interesting. I'll talk more about it next week, but I'm so happy that this has come out. Now, the Democrats this week elected Hakeem Jeffries from New York as their minority leader in the House. As you know, Nancy Pelosi has said she's not going to seek a leadership position. She's losing her position in 2023 as the Speaker of the House because the Republicans took over. So they elected Hakeem Jeffries. I bet you didn't know, but Hakeem Jeffries is an election denier. And with that said, I'm going to go to a clip, and this is Jeffries speaking about Donald Trump. So let's go to the clip, and then we'll come back and discuss. Russia interfered with our election, attacked our democracy for the sole purpose of artificially placing someone at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. They were successful. And it's funny, you've got the media covering for him already. They're already out there saying, oh, he's not an election denier. That's just a Republican talking point. Because election deniers mean that the election was stolen. Playing this dumb game. Oh, you have to use the word stolen in order to to be an election denier? And, And this is how our mainstream media is filled with a bunch of simpletons. Now, the other thing I feel this, uh, I find disturbing also, and I think the mainstream media is uh, overlooking this, is that he's already come out and said that all racists voted for Donald Trump. And I don't know how he knows that. But I think he's coming from a position that, you know, a lot of liberals uh, feel this, and particularly a lot of African-American liberals feel this, that it is impossible for a black person to be a racist for whatever reason. Uh, you know, they, they make these crazy arguments that, well, because black people aren't in positions of power, they can't be racist, which is absolutely absurd. There's plenty of blacks in positions of power in many levels. And just ask Al Sharpton whether he's a racist, how he feels about Korean people. How about all these uh, NBA tweets that say derogatory things about Chinese people? Is Kyrie Irving a racist? 
People think he's an anti-Semite. But I think if you ask Kyrie Irving whether he's a racist, he'll tell you no, because I think he believes he's the real Jewish people. I think, you know, there's a lot of African-Americans out there that have this belief that they are the real Jews. And the Jews in Israel and the Jews in the rest of the world are keeping their thumbs on black people to prevent them from realizing that they're the actual Jews in the Bible. Well, you know, which is just flat out wrong. But I think Kyrie Irving believes he can't be an anti-Semite because he's the real Jew. So I think Hakeem, maybe you want to sit down and talk with Kyrie Irving before you start telling people only racist voted for Donald Trump. You better look in your own backyard. Okay, let's switch to Ukraine. The EU came out today and said they were going to cap Russian oil at $60 a barrel. And with their track record of previous sanctions, they'll probably be unsuccessful with this because none of their previous sanctions have been successful at all. Case can be made that Russia is actually richer today than it was before the war. So how are they going to do this? $60 per barrel. How are they absolutely going to do this? I think they're in fantasy land. You can resell Russian oil at market rates. You can only buy it at 60, but you can resell it in the market at the market price. And what is going to be the market price? And Putin's already come out and said, hey, you want to buy it at 60? We're not selling it to you. And now you've got OPEC thinking uh, about cutting production to spike up prices even more. And look, this is all going to come down to India and China and what India and China is going to buy from Russia. And again, I want to see what these European nations are going to do when they don't buy Russian oil, how they're going to get their Russian oil, particularly this winter. Now, Russia's already cut out, off most of their natural gas supply. So again, I think it's just, this is another dog and pony show. It's just to let the world or whomever themselves think that they're doing something. So it's all talk, like Biden with sick days for the railroad workers. He's all talk. I think these people all talk too. Now, with that said, I want to play a clip. And this is from Ursula von der Leyen the president of the European Union. And she's making a speech here, and I think she has a Freudian slip, and it caused a lot of agita in Ukraine. Because in this following clip, she says that Ukraine's lost 100,000 troops. So let's play this clip, and then we'll come back and discuss. Russia's invasion of Ukraine has brought death, devastation, and unspeakable suffering. It is estimated that more than 20,000 civilians and more than 100,000 Ukrainian military officers have been killed so far. So this video was quickly taken down and changed. I think it was on the EU website. And uh, the Ukrainians, they were troubled. They're saying, no, this is, you know, this is not for public consumption. This is only for Ukrainian military to discuss and talk about. And then later, a communications person from the EU said, well, she was really talking about a combination of those hurt and killed. But she didn't say how many Ukrainian troops were hurt and how many Ukrainian troops were killed. So 
I, th- I think there's a lot of truth to what von der Leyen said. Now, apparently Biden said he was willing to talk to Putin about some kind of peace treaty. But then they threw out there, well, in order to have a peace treaty, you have to vacate all the territory, that 20% of the territory that you annexed. You have to vac- vacate that, go home, and then we'll have a peace discussion, which is, again, absolutely absurd. So it continues. Russia will continue to grind Ukraine. And unless things change, Americans are going to continue to allow Ukraine to think they have a chance to win this war. And as a result, more Ukrainians are going to die. More of their country is going to get pummeled. So I think the United States at this point has to consider whether they're really helping Ukraine in this by funding their war machine in face of a death, whether it's slow or quick. And it's a shame. Okay, we have the uh, Georgia runoff for Senate on Tuesday. And let me just give you my observation on this. I want to give you a prediction. My prediction is that it's too close to call. There's too many variables out there that can hurt Herschel Walker. And the one variable is the uh, Kemp operation. Brian Kemp is the Republican that won the gubernatorial race, but did very little in the election for Herschel. And he won rather comfortably. And the one statistic that I heard is I heard that there were 200,000 Georgia voters that voted for Kemp but didn't vote for Herschel Walker. Now, as I said in the previous episode, is that uh, apparently Mitch McConnell's uh, PAC is going to fund Brian Kemp's operation to get out the vote for Herschel Walker. And that's going to be key. If Kemp can get those 200,000 voters that voted for him to vote for Herschel Walker, that Herschel will win. And he's got to get, get voters out. And he's also got to get the MAGA voter out, too. Because I, I'm not sure if uh, Kemp speaks to the MAGA people. So there better be somebody else in the Walker campaign that speaks to the MAGA people. I, I heard that Herschel Walker is reaching out, or he's he's reached out in the past to the MAGA people, but he's down this stretch. He's got to make sure that the MAGA people come out. Because without them, he doesn't have a chance. And best of luck to him. So we shall see. All right, let me talk about the markets for a minute. We are in a bear market rally. And the talking heads on Wall Street are trying to create a narrative where they can get out of this funk. And I guess for the past month or two, um, the market's been somewhat rallying. And with that said, let me read a short article from CNBC. It says here, the Dow Jones average closed up just 34.87 points or 0.1% 0.1% to 34,429.88 points after hitting a session low of more than 350 points down. The S&P 500 dipped 0.1% to 4,071.70, rebounding from an earlier loss of 1.2%. The Nasdaq Composite also made up ground to end nearly 0.2% lower at 11,461.50 points. The tech-heavy index dropped as much as 1.6% earlier in the day. All three indexes set weekly gains, with the NASDAQ posting the largest increase at nearly 2.1%. The S&P 500 added 1.1%, and the Dow ticked up by 0.2%. Friday's close marked the first time the three major indexes notched back-to-back weekly gains since October. 
Now, year to date, the Dow is down 5.25%. The S&P is down 14.57%. And NASDAQ is down 26.74% for the year. So the year to date puts everything in a little more perspective. The the market had, uh, again, a bear market rally, but it is still down significantly for the year. So with that said, thank you so much for listening. Um, please, if you get a chance, try to read some of those um, uh, Twitter drops by Elon Musk. And you have a good weekend. You have a good week. And I will talk to you next Saturday. Thanks for listening.